welcome back to Podcastle. Welcome to the Podcastle Spotlight, and uh, welcome to Border Town. And we've got an incredibly, incredibly long for us spotlight happening here, but we promise you it's going to be awesome. It's going to be cool. We've got some things that are happening today that we couldn't do in a print magazine, which is why podcasting is so awesome. Let's go. Hi, Anna. Hi, Dave. Welcome back to Podcastle. (laughs) Welcome back to our PC Spotlight. PC. Hey, it seems like people actually kind of liked hearing us talk about the last book, Daniel Abraham's book. I know. Can you believe that? (laughs) I find that so difficult to believe. I know. We thought maybe, like, after one, people would, would hate us and not want to hear us again. So we're really excited to be doing another one. And we, we've got we've got quite a few more to do. It looks like from look, looking at the slate of things, we're not going to do we're not going to do one every month. Um, that would be too much reading for us on our you know what what little spare time that we have. But um, we, we've got four or five of these planned out for um, the rest of the year and a little bit into next year. So pretty cool. Yes, yes. And this month. We get to welcome everybody to Border Town. Border Town. Um, what do you... <laughs> let me try that again. What do you know about Border Town, Anna? Have well, you ever been to Border Town before? I have never been to Border Town before. Not until I, this most recent excursion. This is the first time I've been to Border Town, too. And, uh, dude, this place is awesome. <laughs> I love it here. So let's tell everybody just really, really briefly what Border Town is. Border Town is a town that's on the very border, hence it's named Border Town, between fairy or the other elven realms and our world. And you can't get there by walking. Or maybe you can but you have to walk a certain way. And in yep. Bor- you want to talk about how magic and tech does or doesn't work in Bordertown? Yeah, we can talk about that. Magic, the cool thing, the funny thing about Bordertown is it plays with one of those, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know, is it a trope? The urban fantasy trope of, <laughs> should I call it a trope? Maybe I shouldn't call it a trope. I think they started it, though, so it's not a trope until after everybody else picks it up and uses it. Okay. The cool, the cool thing about Bordertown <laughs> is that, um, or one of the cool things about Bordertown is the way that magic and technology cause mayhem for each other. Mostly, mostly technology ends up you know, getting the short end of the stick in Bordertown. And that's something that you see in a lot of other urban fantasy series. Um, Harry Dresd- the Harry Dresden series, the Dresden Files, comes to mind pretty quickly. Um, I know it's been in several other things as well. So it can cause quite a bit of confusion. Um, that was one of the things that, you know, we didn't, we didn't actually run Cory Doctorow's story, but it was one of the things that we really liked about Cory Doctorow's story, Shaman's Law, that ran over at Escape Pod. Yep. And so the other thing you need to know about Bordertown is that the way to Bordertown has been closed for 13 years. But in Bordertown, 
much like when you go to sleep under the hill, it's only been 13 days. Why would anybody want to go to Border Town? Oh, anybody who's a misfit wants to go to Border Town. Border Town is like the place for misfits. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we get in. But right now we have a couple of misfits who would like to talk to you about it themselves. Holly Black and Ellen Kushner. Hi, I'm Holly Black. And I'm Ellen Kushner. I, we're going to talk to you about Welcome to Border Town. It's a book that we co-edited that just came out in May of 2011, and each of us had a very different journey to get there. I was one of the original writers back when Terry Windling had the idea for a shared world anthology in the 1980s, and uh, we were actually roommates at the time in New York City, and I heard she was doing this cool thing, and I said, would you want me to write a story about this, about this imaginary city uh, somewhere in the near future set in a, a town that was kind of halfway between the traditional folkloric elf land that had returned and the modern world that we all lived in. And this strange border city that was kind of a hybrid of both cultures was there, and it was a place where teenage kids ran away to. And I was supposed to suddenly write as this like upset, pissed-off, alienated teenage kid, and strangely enough, did not find that all that difficult to do. So there we were all like writing away this weird urban fantasy back before anyone called it urban fantasy and apparently down the road in New Jersey I guess was it was a young teenage girl named Holly Black. I, I actually can't remember where um, where I first found uh, Borgstown series was probably passed to me by a friend um, and um, I think my friend Frank actually handed it to me um, and the thing that I really loved and the thing that sort of blew my mind about it is before that I had read a lot of high fantasy and it was all set in a world totally unlike ours, far away. Um, and the idea that Fairyland, that Elfland, could be right down the corner, uh, that you could take a step wrong and step into it, was so appealing and felt so full of possibility that um, it just it stayed with me. And I think, and it was a huge influence on me as a young writer trying to figure out what kind of stories I wanted to tell. And the weird thing was we did this one anthology, um, and then I, either Carrie had a contract to do more, or people kind of loved it and wanted more stories about these kids, about the continuing characters. Uh, Will Shetterly wrote two novels based on his stories, and Emma Bull wrote one. And I, the passion for this place where you could sort of go, where you, the one who didn't fit in, however you imagined yourself as a human, as an elf, as a boy, as a girl, um, you know, as a painter, as a poet, as a just angry, messed up person, that you could somehow go there and find the thing that you needed without even knowing necessarily what it was, really, to me, had a lot of power. I always feel a little awkward talking about, you know, what's the, the power of Borderland, what's the appeal, because when, when you're writing it, you're not as conscious of that. You're just, like, writing stories because it's fun and it's cool and you know, your friends are doing it or you know if someone's asked you to do it and you're very flattered um, but I always enjoyed going back there to that world and those people uh, and also it kind of became a community for me uh, they were people I knew they were people I didn't know but I loved their writing and we were all together doing an act of creation which is usually a very lonely thing 
uh, you know, you're by yourself, you're writing, maybe you have your friends read your stuff and you guys talk about it, but really it's ultimately quite lonely. And Terry essentially created this sort of community without walls. This, uh, I guess a better way to put it is, uh, Terry essentially created this, this artist studio without walls that we were all strangely sitting in together with her kind of brain as the, as the nexus. And that was, that was extraordinary. That's never really happened to me before. I think the community is a great way to, um, um, I think community is a great way to characterize what the appeal of Bordertown is. And I think that for a reader, um, it, it sort of spoke about community in two different ways. Uh, on one level, you were reading about these characters who had these, who had left, you know, left behind whatever, whatever else there was and had come together to form a new family, a new support system, a new uh, creative community where they were aspiring to be what they had always wanted and, and sort of making it happen in, in the city on the edge of the world. But also as, as a writer, seeing the, seeing these, these writers working together, it just felt like, like what your fantasy as a kid is of what it's like to be a writer. And so I think that, that for Border, you know, for me, Border Town was appealing in, in both those ways where, you know, you were reading about these, these artists, but also you were imagining this group of writers gathered around a dinner table somewhere talking about their stories. And that to me was so beyond what I could imagine, you know, as, as in terms of like the happiest possible thing that could happen to you in your life would be to hang out with a whole bunch of other writers and be a writer too and, and get to talk about stories all the time. By the way, in case you're wondering what all the background noise is, Holly and I are standing on the ground floor of the New York Public Library branch in Greenwich Village, having just done a reading and signing of an anthology that we were both in, um, Ellen Datlow and Terry Windling's anthology Teeth. So uh, it was a great opportunity for us to get together and uh, talk to you. But any, any slamming doors or echoing footsteps are the public library, not us. So the last, there were four anthologies of short stories and three border town novels and then it stopped uh you know all good things come to an end it was the late 90s everybody seemed to be moving on Terry had other projects she was more interested or she was interested in you know it had kind of run its course and about 10 years later urban fantasy was everywhere and everybody was publishing stories about you know magical creatures living in cities and i don't know riding motorcycles and doing rock and roll and all the things that had really genuinely begun with Border Town. And I started hearing from some of the hot young urban fantasy writers who kept saying, you know, the whole reason that I'm writing urban fantasy and that I love urban fantasy is because I read those Border Town books. And I thought, really? That's really interesting because they never really sold very well. Our sense was that nobody read those Border Town books and yet all of you did. Now, isn't that something? What would it be like if we brought the old gang together or simply brought all the new writers together and said, hey, you want to come and play in Border Town? So I went to Holly Black and asked her if she would like to join me in this little adventure, and uh, she expressed some enthusiasm. I believe I said I would gnaw off my own arm to submit a story? No, I remember very clearly because I was so stunned by the beauty of your metaphor. You looked at me and said, I would walk over broken glass to write a Border Town story. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I, I remember That's it well. Better. That's better. Well, knowing off your arm is good, too, but thank God you didn't have to. I'm going to pause the tape here for a second, because many, many library patrons are, are walking up the stairs. 
So off we went to Terry Windling to say, hey, Terry, would you mind terribly if we did this? And believe it or not, she said she, she would be okay with it. And, um, and she let us, and, and she let us, um, create Welcome to Border Town. Actually, and actually the, what Terry said was a version of, oh, that old thing? Like, why would anyone be interested in that? So we patiently explained to her that quite a few people were very interested in that. And we promised her we would do all the work, except that we didn't. <laughs> and we made her do a lot of work to do. Well, you know, it was her idea, and there, there was only so far that Holly and I could take it as co-editors without feeling like we had to go to Terry and go, is this right? Is this street where we think it is? Uh, you know, does this feel right to you? Does that character make sense to you? Well, no, that's not true. The characters we were fun, and it was more like, is this street okay, and would it really take half a day for this character to walk from here to there? And also we just, I don't know, it's like so much of her spirit was in the book that in the end we, we begged her to write an introduction, and she co-wrote a story with me as well. So Terry Windling remains the the godmother of Watertown. And there you have it. Um, we hope you like the book. We hope you will check it out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's called Welcome to Bordertown, edited by Holly Black and Ellen Kushner, published by Random House Children's Books, I guess is what you call it. We also really warmly invite you to visit the new BordertownSeries.com website, where we've put up everything from uh, videos of music that Terry thinks belongs in Bordertown through, uh, through three of the old stories that are now out of print, uh, to a blog, a pretty lively blog, where we drop in and talk about stuff. So please do come to Bordertown because I have a feeling that the new adventure is just beginning. All right. So a big thank you to Ellen Kushner and Holly Black for welcoming us to Bordertown. Well, yeah, one of the things that we're talking about, Anna, was the sense of community um, among all these misfit writers. And um, as somebody who's a noob coming to Bordertown for the first time, that was something that I felt pretty quickly um, right in the first story. Just that this is the place that you'd want to go with your friends, you know? I mean, all your friends who are fantasy geeks or musicians or, or um, whatever, this is the place that you'd want to go. Like, you'd want to stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning, hanging out with them in these restaurants or, you know, going to, going to a bar with them to talk or listen to a band to play music. And uh, I, just, I just totally dug that. I also loved the way that... Um, some of the characters would, you know, pop up in other stories. Um, they'd have a story completely dedicated to themselves, and then, you know, the character would be a running joke in one of the other stories, like like Wolf Boy, who's one of Will Shatterly's creations. Yeah, and for a person like me who loves stories where the city is a character, uh, Border Town fits right into that motif not just the people who pop in and pop in over and over again, but the locations, the street names, the neighborhoods, and they're always tinged with something just a little bit different from each author, but you know that it's very reverent the way they're treating the property, the... It's it's the same place, but you know every every person has a slightly different perspective of that place. Exactly. Um, and I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, the street names are the same, the restaurants are the same, the theaters are the same, and even some of the characters are the same. But you know, they all feel just slightly different and unique in a really good way. Um, I mean, that, that's definitely part of the fun of it for me. 
in a magic way. I mean, you can accept that these things are elastic because Border Town itself is kind of elastic. Totally. Okay. So it's time for to hear from someone else, right? I think we should. I think uh, <clears throat> we've got somebody else to listen to here. Next up at, at the Border Town Cafe, we have one of Podcastle's favorites, Tim Pratt. Hi, I'm Tim Pratt, and if you're a regular listener to Podcastle, you've probably heard my name before, if not my voice. I've been fortunate to have so many of my stories featured on the podcast, but today I'm here to tell you about a story you can't hear on Podcastle, at least not yet. Have you heard of Border Town? It was the setting for a shared world series of anthologies and novels created by Terry Windling back in the 80s, and it blew my teenage brain right open. Bordertown's about a magical city placed between our world and another, which might inexactly be called Elfland. In the border, elven rock stars and human runaways mingle along with halfies and werewolves and weirder things. It's a glorious collision of the magical and the ordinary, and of the magic in the ordinary, and it was exactly what I needed as a kid living in rural North Carolina, dreaming of stranger pastures. When I heard Ellen Kushner and Holly Black were going to edit a new volume of Bordertown Stories, the first in 13 years, I wanted in bad. I never thought they'd want me back, but then an invitation to submit landed in my inbox. An invitation to spend time in a magical land. What fantasy fan hasn't dreamed of that? My story, Our Stars, Ourselves, is about Allie Land, lesbian future rock star for hire, and her quest for fame and fun in the big city, and the way she gets mixed up with a supernaturally charismatic elf knight and an astronomer who turned to astrology when the skies over Bordertown just got just too weird. I'm in amazingly good company. Welcome to Bordertown is one of the coolest anthologies I've ever read, let alone had a hand in. So don't wait. Pack your bags for the border. And thanks so much to Tim Pratt for being here. Uh, lesbian rock star for hire. <laughs> lesbian castle. That's Just right. Works so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's why we love Tim Pratt. That's why we love Tim Pratt. Um, so one of the things that I thought we might mention before we moved on to some of our fabulous exclusive, you can see this nowhere else content <laughs> is to. Tell people where else they can find out a little bit about Border Town. It turns out that this anthology is well-loved and has gotten, well, the shared world is well-loved, and the anthology has gotten quite a bit of coverage. So if you're interested in more sort of trying before you buy after you've heard the spotlight, you could go to The Big Idea on Scalzi's blog. He did an article about it. Tor.com has done a whole series of articles about it. You could go back and listen to the Escape Pod episode, Shannon's Law, which is one of the stories in the anthology. Or you could go to Fantasy Magazine, where they uh, ran Alea Don Johnson's story. So there are places to get a little more taste of this if you're not totally persuaded. But I promise you that after you hear our wonderful audio offering, you will be persuaded, because what we have for you next is awesome. There is a girl with a stare in her hair Made of thorn and thistle and bone There is a girl with a stare in her hair And she climbs it to be alone There is 
Here's a girl with a coin in her fist Made of breath and hunger and cold There is a girl with a coin in her fist Who buys whatever she's sold A girl with a voice and a girl with a name A girl with strong hands and eyes like the rain too young and too easy to bruise A girl with nothing to lose Oh, a girl with nothing to lose Here is a girl with a stone on her tongue Plucked from a wave on the shore here is a girl with a stone on her tongue that keeps her from asking for more. Here is a girl with a key in her palm and here is a door with a lock. Here is a girl with a key in her palm wondering if she should knock. A girl and a girl with a name A girl with strong hands and eyes like the rain A girl who knows all of her lines and her cues A girl with nothing to lose Oh, a girl with nothing to lose And that was a musical rendition of Amal El-Motar's poem from Welcome to Bordertown. That was Stairs in Her Hair, which Amal El-Motar wrote. Uh, the music was by Gabriel Bouchard. The voice was by Dunya El-Motar, Amal's sister. The production was by Gabriel Bouchard. Uh, as well as the instruments. And just a huge thanks to Amal for sending that to us. Um, when we first started talking about doing the spotlight and how we could make it special, we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could just have a bunch of 
the authors that we featured at podcast will come on and explain what's so cool about Border Town. And um, we emailed them out, and, and then she sent this this amazing song to us and was like, "Here, why don't you guys use this?" So thanks very much, Amal. That's right. Thanks, Amal. And with that, why don't we just talk to Amalo Motar and hear what she has to say about taking a trip to Border Town. Hi, my name is Amal al Muhtar, and I love Border Town. Uh, I've been asked to say why that is. Well, Border Town means a huge deal to me because it was while discovering it uh, that I was working in a bookstore for the first time, uh, being introduced to a very different kind of fantasy to that which I was used to. I was used to secondary world fantasies. I was used to fantasy being something that you had to escape from this world uh, in, in order to find. You had to go somewhere else. You had to, you know, be yourself but somewhere else. And what Border Town did, um, first through, uh, through Charles DeLint's uh, work, which is how I came to it in the first place, um, what Border Town did was show me that you could have magic and wonder and all sorts of incredible happenings taking place in your city, taking place in dirty alleyways, taking place behind trash cans. Um, it, it showed me that you could look at this world which other fantasies had taught me in part to reject and instead see in it something beautiful and see in it not only this beauty but the potential to participate in it myself, um, to be not myself somewhere else but myself right here, right now, as an artist, as a writer, as a musician, uh, as a poet, and that all those things could be valued here as much as, you know, being the chosen one could be valued in a portal fantasy. And, and that was something that was just incredible for me to think about, to have my eyes open to. So being a part of that right now is just absolutely tremendous to me. I cannot I still, as I'm saying this, as I'm recording this interview, still cannot entirely believe that my name is in a book full of the names of people who have written books that are on my bookshelves. It's just incredible. So, um, all that to say, Stairs in Her Hair, the, the poem that, uh, that I have in the Border Town anthology, uh, was, it came, came about in a sort of confluence of ways. When I knew that Kat Valenti was going to be in the anthology as well, I just hit the roof and thought, yes, yes, we can collaborate on something together and we'll be in this thing that means so much and it will be wonderful. So um, I asked her if she minded if my poem um, riffed off her story. She'd been asked to write a story and she hadn't yet decided what she was going to do, but had some thoughts. So she said, yeah, let's collaborate. And I said, yes. And around the same time, I'd, um, I'd just... I think I'd recently given as a gift uh, a print of Rima Staines, um, and the, the print is called There is a Stare in Her Hair, and it's this absolutely beautiful piece of art where there's just this girl with her eyes closed and long hair that is slowly becoming a staircase. Uh, and I, I was absolutely smitten with this image, and something about just the idea of having a stare in one's hair um, really... Uh, really got to me, and it had this rhythm to it. I just thought, you know, there is a girl with a stare in her hair, and uh, and I just this, I kind of thought that I wanted this to be what I began 
a song out of. And since Kat didn't yet entirely know what she was writing, I felt that I could say, okay, well, here's the poem I'm thinking of starting. What do you think of this? And I think I gave her the first stanza, which was, there's a girl with a stare in her hair made of thorn and thistle and bone. There's a girl with a stare in her hair and she climbs it to be alone. And when I showed that to Kat, she said, oh, no, that's fantastic, because I'm thinking of writing this story about a runaway who measures the distance between herself and home by uh, how long her undyed roots are. And the way that her undyed roots look is like this, you know, this staggering staircase in her hair. And I thought, this is perfect. This is just fantastic. So... Um, so I, I wrote a first draft. This went through so many drafts. Um, I wrote a first draft and showed it to her. And, uh, and in tandem, she was writing her short story. And as soon as she'd finished, finished a first draft of it, I took it and then started to tweak the poem a bit. And so tried to have um, references to the story that were a little bit more clear. Uh, and working on it this way, we, we both ended up with drafts that we liked and sent them in to um, Ellen Kushner and, uh, and Holly Black, and they gave us edits. And Well, I, at this point, I, I lose track of Kat's editing process, but they gave me edits at any rate. Um, and we just kept on sort of working on it and tightening it, and uh, it became what it is now. And I just want to say as well how absolutely delighted and over the moon I am that um, what you're going to hear is my sister singing this song accompanied by her fiancé uh, who's playing guitar and trumpet I think and it's just uh, it's just tremendous and I'm so happy to be part of this. So um, one of the things that I that I miss in fantasy fiction that I would really like for there to be and something that Bordertown captured really well for me was this spirit of rock and roll. I feel like rock and roll, it, I love rock and roll, and I feel like rock and roll is kind of at best background music um, or more like Muzak in a lot of fantasy fiction. And here in Bordertown, um, with Tim Pratt's story, with the Ellen Kushner and Delia Sherman story, it was front stage. And I really just really, really like that rock and roll vibe that these stories had. It's all you, Anna. All right. Well, one of my favorite things about the collection, in addition to the sort of Sidious character element that I talked about earlier, is how um, this world is meant to appeal to all those outcasts, people who feel outcasts. And I didn't read the original Border Town, but it seemed to me that in this iteration, there was really a sort of stretch in the definition of who and what can be an outsider and who and what is welcome to border town. So I felt that it included people who are more marginalized than your average suburban angsty white teen. And I was grateful for that variety of inclusion. Totally. So check it out. Welcome to border town edited by Holly Black and Ellen Kushner. Also, make sure you go over to BordertownSeries.com. They've got a bunch of cool stuff over there. They've got music that they think would fit in well with the Bordertown series. They've got stories from older anthologies. It's a really cool site. Check it out and play with it. Okay, so you you want me to go first or yeah, you go, first? you go first, ladies first.